Glad you're here today. I don't know if it's been said or not. I don't recall, but thank you for coming to New Life today. As I say from time to time, you've made the intelligent choice to come to New Life. We're glad that you're here. We're going to follow up with the sermon that we began last Sunday. Last Sunday, we talked about the holiness of God. The holiness of God. You may recall we referenced Moses at the burning bush when the Lord called to him, Moses, come. Moses, the Lord said. And Moses turned around and there was a bush burning, but it was not being consumed. So Moses goes to where that bush was to see that site. And the Lord said, stop, don't come any closer. Take off your shoes for the place you're standing is what kind of ground? Holy ground. That's the first time the word holy is mentioned in the Bible. Then we went ahead to examine another passage briefly, which talked about how that, uh, well, several actually, that God was holy. He revealed himself to his people several times in scripture, a dozen or more times where he said, I am holy, therefore you be holy, or you be holy because I'm holy. It's reversed and and worded different ways, but the point is made over and over and over again in Scripture. And then we get to the time when the Lord gave instructions for the building of the tabernacle, and then later the temple, it was the same. There were different pieces of furniture which were located in those areas of worship. And the one that's that's uh, germane to what we're talking about today is called the laver, the L-A-V-E-R, it was kind of like a big gigantic bird bath. It was a wide uh, vessel that held water and they would go. The priests were supposed to go to the laver and wash their hands and feet before they went in to minister before the Lord and offer sacrifices. All of these things were designed to teach us lessons about, first of all, God being holy, but then secondly, the fact that he also wants us to be holy. So last Sunday we dealt primarily with the holiness of God. Today we're going to deal with a also very important topic, and that is personal holiness. The holiness that we're supposed to have. According to the Bible, Christians are supposed to be holy people. According to the Bible, Christians are supposed to be holy people. Holiness is not a denomination Holiness is not weird. Well, maybe I'll take that back. It is a little bit weird it, by the way the world looks at things. But, but being weird doesn't make you holy, that's for sure. But a lot of people think that those of us, for instance, who want to obey God's laws in different areas of our lives, they think that's a little weird. That's okay. It's different. That's what holy means. Holy means set apart and different. That's the fundamental um, meaning of the word. Set apart or different. Set apart is holy. Being different is holy because it's cleansed. So those two tracks, being set apart for a specific purpose and being cleansed, those two are the ideas that are extremely important when it comes to holiness. God's holiness because he's set apart from us and he's clean and righteous and holy and pure. That's who he is. But then he says we're supposed to be holy We're supposed to be set apart from the world, and we're supposed to live clean lives. 
think clean thoughts and be righteous and holy before him. And that's the topic we'll be dealing with today. Several days ago, I was driving down Highway 401 on the south side of Fuqua Varina over near Lillington. I had been visiting that morning or afternoon, whichever it was, I don't remember. I had been visiting with Betty Tilton, one of our members who has been in a facility there for several years now. And I left, and on my way home, I was thinking about these upcoming sermons on, on holiness. And as I was driving and looking, and I saw uh, the beauty of God's creation, and there came a point where I thought to myself, if I see a cotton field today, I'm going to stop and see if I can find out who owns that cotton field and see if they'll allow me to pull a couple plants because it was... Such a beautiful sight. Cotton was all over the place in that part of the country. But I hadn't seen any fields. And I thought, I need a couple cotton plants. So wouldn't you know it was less than five minutes. I looked to the left and there was cotton. And I looked to the right and there was cotton. Both sides of 401. So I turned off this little road there to the right. And, and then there was a barn. And you could tell it wasn't just any old barn. It was a barn where some type of... Um, Farm gatherings were held and there were lots of signage and phone numbers and so forth. So being the uh, inquisitive person that I am, I took my phone and I dialed the number that I thought would be to the owner of the property there. And I said, hi, I'm a pastor from the Raleigh area. I'm just passing through on 401 headed back home. And I was just wondering if it would be possible if I could get a couple of uh, cotton plants. I just need a couple for a sermon illustration. And this lady said, well, I don't see where that would be a problem. Where are you? And I said, well, I'm on highway 401. I tried to give her my location. And then I turned off this little side street and I'm sitting at the barn now where there's all kinds of signs around advertising different farm products. It's just, oh yeah, that's our place. She said, uh, so you want some cotton plants? I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, well, I'll tell you what, if you would get off of 401, I'd rather you not do it on 401. Come down the side street there where the barn is. You're welcome to pull off anywhere you want to and and pick up some cotton plants, whatever you need. That'll be fine. You see, because I, I'm a pastor and I'm honest and I wasn't going to steal her cotton. So I wanted permission to get some cotton. She said, no problem. So I pulled the, some cotton and I have it for our purposes today. Voila. Cotton plant, except there, there were acres and acres and acres and acres of cotton. It was so beautiful. It looked like it had snowed across the fields because the cotton was so thick and there was so much of it. But I, I wanted the, the cotton plant to illustrate to you certain things about holiness and about who we are. Because as you look at this particular plant here, and this was just uh, one of many thousands, maybe millions of all in those fields out there. And it was interesting to me that when I picked this, some of these little pods were completely closed. And then they have since begun to open up just a little bit. But if you look at this cotton, I mean, it's white. Okay, we granted it's white. But when you look at it very close, it's not really very, very pretty at all. 
It's, uh, it's dirty. Some of it has been splattered by the dirt. Good grief. I hadn't pulled one of these apart before. And that one little tiny piece there, there's one, two, three, four. There's five seeds in that, about like lemon seeds. So it's just full of, full of seeds. It's stained because of the dirt. And there's all kinds of dry, crunchy leaves. And it's just not very attractive. You think, what in the world could that ever be good for? But it's dirty. Well, let's leave that. Then one day this week, I was thinking along the same lines, and I thought, I wonder if there's still a pumpkin anywhere. Since Halloween is over, I didn't know if I'd find a pumpkin or not. And would you know, it was just a very few minutes. There was a roadside store there, and I looked, and there was all kinds of pumpkins out front. So what I did, you know what I did. I stopped and made this purchase of, voila, a pumpkin. As a matter of fact, this pumpkin still has dirt on it, which helps make my point. The cotton out in the field, although maybe it'd be pretty at a distance, is dirty and soiled. And um, I tell you, you have to be pretty sharp to know what to do with this stuff. When I was in high school, uh, my junior and senior year, I had a job. I would get out early and go to work, as a lot of people did back then. You know, we worked in those days. Kids did. We worked because I wanted a car. And um, I was driving a little Volkswagen which belonged to my parents. And I said, Dad, I want my own car. He said, well, you can have your own car. I said, but I want a new car. He said, you can have a new car. He said, you go look around at the car lots and you find whatever car you want. And whatever car you find that you want, if that's what you want, I'll help you get it. But you're going to make the payments. You're going to buy the gas. You're going to buy the oil. You're going to buy the insurance. It's going to be your car. Now, I'll help you get it, but it's your car and it's your responsibility. Is that the way it went down? Okay. And so he, I picked out the car I wanted. It was a brand new 1973 Grand Torino. Blue. Oh, it was a sharp car. So I went and bought that car. And I went to work in a cotton mill working second shift. So here I am, a 17-year-old kid, driving a brand new car, trying to attract all kind of girls, and I'm working from 3 to 11 every night and don't have time to... <laughs> right? But I made a commitment. And I had to I had to get a job, so I got a job in a cotton mill. There were cotton mills everywhere. You can't find a cotton mill now, hardly. But there were cotton mills everywhere. So I worked in a cotton mill. I found out that working in a cotton mill, first of all, not only was it hard work, but it was dirty work. And every day when I got finished with my shift, the thing that we did is we lined up. And there was a place there where there were air hoses with little nozzles on them. And you'd take that air hose and you'd blow all the cotton off of you. Or you'd try to anyway. Try to blow it all off so you would leave. You would never leave clean. Because that cotton dust was all over you. It was filthy. 
It's a filthy process and it's hard and it's very laborious to turn this into something worthwhile. But there's probably not a person in this building today that's not wearing something made out of cotton. And you sleep on sheets made of cotton and you're probably sitting on some cotton in these chairs. And everywhere you go, cotton is being used. It doesn't look like much right here, but when you know what to do with it and some changes are made, it can be a very, very valuable commodity. Amen. You look at this pumpkin, poor pumpkin, it doesn't look like much. And it's got, this is not a very big one. And as I said, it is dirty, but we use them for different things. The next slide, please. Um, well, the next one. Oh, yeah. Everybody knows what this is, right? It, it is a, it's a jack-o'-lantern. Uh, it's also a pumpkin. And, of course, to make a jack-o'-lantern, you have to take a knife and go around the top in a circle, cut down and pull the top off. And then you reach down into it and you have to pull out all what? All kinds of yucky stuff. And then you make one of these... And then if you want to, you put a light in it like that picture shows there and you use it as a decoration for around Halloween, so forth. Well, you've probably seen that illustrated and talked about before that this thing, dirty though it is, it came out of a um, field somewhere and the sand is still on it, some of it. But you take one of these and wash it up a little bit and... I mean, they're so popular, but they're all over the place at the right time of year. They're, they're valuable to people. They want those things. But notice what happens. You cut the top off, take it out of the filthy field, cut the top off, take out the yucky stuff, work on it a little bit, put a face on it and, the, and the, the smile and the eyes and the nose, put a light inside of it where it shines out in the dark. Which is exactly what Jesus does for us when we come to him. Is that not true? He takes us out of the world where we are, that filthy place. And he opens our heart and he takes out the yucky stuff. Y'all know what I'm talking about? He, He cleanses us and he takes out the yucky stuff. And then he puts his light inside of us and he says, shine. You are the light of the world. So that everybody can see. So he takes, he can take something like this or something like this, both which come from, from very dirty, unsanitary places, and he can make something wonderful out of those things, just like he can do for us. You see, the fact of the matter is we see ourselves as being in pretty good shape. Uh, we're polished, we're you know, we pretty well got it together. Why, Pastor Ron, it's not, we're not that bad off. Uh, we certainly don't have yucky stuff. I'll submit to you, we do. We got things inside of us that the Lord wants to get out of us. The scripture even says that we have something in common with the pumpkin and the cotton. Jeremiah 17 verses 9 and 10. It says, the heart is deceitful. Above all, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I mean, even we don't recognize what's in the heart. And then the Bible goes on to say, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind. 
even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. I want to read the first part one more time and think about the condition of man. Just like the cotton is filthy, just like the pumpkin is filthy and filled with yucky stuff, the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all and desperately wicked. Who can know it? All you have to do is watch the news any night in this area and you'll find out that the heart of man is very wicked. People do some unimaginable things to each other. Not respecting life, not respecting property. They just, I don't even have to prove it to you. You know it's just a terrible thing. The heart of man. Well, we come to Jesus and he takes us out of the world and he washes us and he cleanses us. But it doesn't stop there. Because the Bible tells us that there is a process through which we go. That the Lord requires our help. We have to cooperate with the Lord. Amen? As a matter of fact, there's some things you have to do in order to be saved. Somebody says, well, the Lord does it all. We're going to sing a song in a few minutes, Lord willing. Jesus paid it all. Jesus did pay it all. But there's some things that he requires from us before he pays it all for us. Or before he makes that effective in our lives. I'll tell you one. uh, One of those things is he tells us that we must repent in order to be saved. Am I right? We must repent. To repent means to turn from and go a different direction. Means to turn around. So if we want to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can't bring our yucky stuff with us, continue doing the same yucky stuff, having the same yucky stuff in our heart, and say we're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to cleanse us from our yucky stuff. He wants to change our lives so we'll no longer be like we used to be. Which is why the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Right? Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So he wants to do a work in our lives. He forgives us of our sin. He will take the yucky stuff out. But you know what? A lot of times what happens is because either we don't know or we don't care, sometimes people come to Christ and then they continue doing things that they know in God's eyes are yucky stuff. And then they wonder why Christianity isn't working out for them. Why, uh, why is there no joy? Why is there no results? Why, why is it so boring for me? Everybody else seems to be happy and, and I'm just so bored with Christianity, some people say. Well, it's just because there's, there's some things that you're not doing that the Bible tells we, we need to do. So, 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1 says, Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Now, wait a minute. I thought the Lord cleansed us. The Lord does cleanse us. He absolutely does. There's a transaction that takes place in our hearts and our lives when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ. He forgives us of our sins. Um, He justifies us. The word justification or justify is really simple. It's kind of cute, actually. Just as if I'd never sinned. Justified. Just as if I'd never sinned. And that's what he does for us. And it's a gift. But once he's done that for us, 
What if I go back and pick up my yucky stuff? What if it, what if I don't cleanse myself from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit? See, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness, that is completing holiness in the fear of God. I dare say that most of us need to have a greater regard and a concern for living holy before the Lord, perhaps than what we do. It would keep us from participating in some things, watching some things, listening to some things, or perhaps doing some things that we might ordinarily um, not refrain from doing if we were concerned where we should be concerned about holiness. This New Testament that we believe and live by uses the word saints quite a lot. Saints. As Paul was writing to the Romans, he said, I'm writing this letter to you, those who are called to be saints. When he wrote to the Corinthians, he said, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. And then later in the same book, he said, with all the saints. In Ephesus, Paul said, to the saints who are in, of course, Ephesus. Now, as we look at those, and all of us have sung that song before, have we not? Oh, when the saints go marching in. We, we understand that the Bible in the New Testament speaks of the Christians as being saints. The word saints simply means holy ones. Holy ones are saints. Saints are not dead people that we remember for something they did many years later and make them a saint like it's done in some organizations. A saint is simply a holy one. And the Bible teaches us that Christians, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, should be called saints and should live like saints. Don't live like ain'ts, but live like saints. People who have been affected by the power of God and the Lord and the word and so forth. Revelation 19 verses 7 through 8 gives us another beautiful picture of this, this um, idea that we're talking about. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife hath made herself ready. The New Testament teaches us that the wife of the Lord Jesus Christ is who? The church, absolutely. So we're talking about the church and verse 8 says, and to her, that is to the church, was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints, or the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. So we have this motif, we have this theme in the scripture, specifically the New Testament, that tells us that those of us who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're supposed to be saints. We're supposed to be changed. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to cleanse ourselves from uh, all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. And it is true, obviously, that the Lord comes to us when we repent and he cleans us up and makes us look better. But there's, there's a, um, there's a parable here that I'd like to share with you in the next few minutes as we prepare to close. The scripture teaches us Jesus went 
uh, and talk to a lot of different people on a lot of different occasions and he'd see something and then he'd tell a story about that thing and use it to teach a spiritual truth. They were walking by a fig tree one day. He talks to them about the fig tree and teaches some spiritual truth. He's walking uh, out in the, maybe by the lakeside one day and he looks up at the clouds and he says, now see there, you can look up at the clouds and you know what's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. If you look at the signs of the times, and he, he teaches a spiritual truth. He did that many different times in many different ways. Today, Pastor Ron wants to share with you the parable of pumpkin pie and bright white shirts. What in the world does that have to do with anything? Well, actually, it has a quite a lot to do with a lot of this today. I have here a bright white shirt. There it is, right there. I can say it's bright white because it's never been worn. I bought that shirt just for the sermon today. It's a good excuse to go get a new shirt, wasn't it? Now, you know what? There's a, wait a minute. Let's do this differently. Let's do this. Yes, if we're going to do it, let's do it right. There's a lot of space, my friends, between what comes out of this field and what is eventually turned into a bright white shirt. Now, you may not know about that. If you never worked in a cotton mill, never been around it, don't understand the process, I'm talking about there's a lot that changes. There's a lot that changes in the consistency and the way this is put together. The seeds are taken out. It's bleached. It's washed. It's made into string. It's made into other string. It's yarn. And on and on it goes. The process is unbelievable. Woven into cloth. Dyed different colors. Some of it's kept white. It's, it's unbelievable. But it has, to, it has to go through the process of cleansing and doing something with it before it can ever turn into something like that. Or white bed sheets or whatever it is you're thinking about. You don't start here and get there in an instant. It's a process. By the same token, you don't start here with a dirty pumpkin with sand still on it and get to, oh, it's here somewhere. What have I got? I've got a pumpkin pie. It's about lunchtime, by the way. You don't go from here to over there in 15 minutes either. There's a process. Forget the jack-o'-lantern. If you want one of those, you still got to cut this top off and get the yucky stuff out. Am I right? And there's a lot to be done to take it from here to there or to take it from here to there. And if I can say anything today, if you can carry anything away from this sermon, I want you to understand that when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ and he saves us, when you get saved, you're saved. But he is not done with you. Everything he wants to do in you has not been done in you when you say, Lord Jesus, please save me and wash me. Because if you're not careful, you walk away from that experience thinking, I've got it now. And next thing you know, over the next six months or 12 months, you're full of yucky stuff all over again. And the Bible does not intend it to be that way. 
So we have decisions to make. As men and women, boys and girls, we have decisions to make. That's why the Bible says, cleanse yourselves, uh, your flesh and your spirit. Do this. There's some things we have to do for ourselves. I remember saying previously in a sermon along these same lines, I wish you could go to the drugstore and buy a holy pill. And all you had to do was take this pill and it made you holy. But no such thing exists. You have to make up your mind every day to live right and do what the Bible says and, and, and give your life to Christ and read the word of God and seek and pray. And, and then one day, one day, the Bible says that his bride, his church is going to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, which is the righteousness of the saints. We used to sing it this way as our musicians are coming. The children used to sing, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be. After 63 years, he's still working on me. I haven't arrived. I'm not perfect. And take no offense, please, but you haven't arrived. And you haven't reached the stage of completion yet. Saved, yes. But surrendered? Maybe not. No, Jesus as Savior? Yes. Really acknowledge Him as Lord? Because Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things I say? See, the fact that we call Him Lord means we do what He says. We acknowledge His Lordship. So we surrender to Him. Oh, this is an awesome subject. The holiness of God. And our holy God looks at us and says, you be holy. Because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. And he even said this in the New Testament. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man will see the Lord. I wish those words could ring in our ears over and over without holiness, which no man can see the Lord without holiness. No man will see the Lord without holiness. No man will see the Lord. We're living in a, in a spiritual climate in America right now. And to some degree, we, as, as part of the global church, we've kind of fallen into this. All we want people to do sometimes is just say the magic words, pray the sinner's prayer. But you know what? When they pray the sinner's prayer, that's not the end. That's just the beginning. And if they didn't mean the sinner's prayer, it didn't do them any good anyway. If they didn't repent, it wasn't worth a nickel. 
It's not an abracadabra. It's not a phrase to say just to, just to get somebody's name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It requires a lifestyle change as we yield to Him and that He begins to work in our lives. And I will tell you that there's a whole lot of things. You're talking about cutting the top off of this thing and, and taking the yucky part out. There's a whole lot of things that He's going to take out of us. Before we wear that fine linen clean and white and stand before him at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's some things that will have to go. If you believe that, would you say amen? amen. So, the holiness of God is extremely important. But the personal holiness of God's children, that's also important. So we're going to close with just a couple of songs right here. And um, I'd like for you to stand with me. The first one we're going to sing is going to acknowledge that Jesus has paid it all. That we're saved, we belong to him if you've repented of your sin, and Jesus paid it all. But then we're going to turn to another short song that's going to remind us of our obligation to be surrendered to him. Savior say thy strength indeed is small child of weakness watch and pray find in me thine all in all Jesus paid it
and say he washed it white as snow. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life. sing this next song I'd like to remind you that the Bible tells us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and the Bible says the fields are white into harvest now when it said that it wasn't talking about cotton so I'm not implying that it said the fields are white into harvest he was in Samaria talking about the Samaritans and the and the white fields there look out there the fields are ripe into harvest well you know what the harvest looks like Here it is. The harvest is dirty. Amen. Here's the harvest. The harvest is dirty. Amen. If we're going to reach out for the harvest, we're going to have to realize that there are going to be things like this. And there's going to be things like this. There are going to be things that are dirty. Things that need to be cleansed. Things that need to be washed. Things that need to be changed. Things that need to find their usefulness. That's the kind of people we're going to be reaching. That's what the harvest is. And we have to be open enough to embrace and to love people when they come in, right? And we've got to be patient because we, we sometimes we kind of point our fingers and we kind of murmur and we kind of say things. You know, because they're not measuring up in our eyes. And maybe before we start doing that, we need a great old big mirror to take a look at what's in that mirror. And see if we're measuring up in all the ways we're supposed to before we start throwing stones maybe we need to get the stuff out of our eyes before we try to clear other stuff out of somebody else's eyes amen oh this would be a real good time to say there's a room at the cross for you because it doesn't matter who you are amen there's room at the cross for you Jesus died for all but now to get back to our clothes for you and I who are saved, and we know that we are, this is our prayer. This helps us move forward. After you're saved, this is how we move forward. Have thine own way, Lord. 
in my mind as we were singing that how ridiculous it would be to take a great big scoop of whipped cream and not put it on that that'd be good wouldn't it but think about taking a big scoop of whipped cream and putting it on that would you ever waste your whipped cream on a pumpkin like that and I think there's something we have to recognize that the Lord sometimes waits for us to get to a certain point of commitment maybe before he blesses us with the things 
that we would really enjoy having, but he wants us to learn some things first and grow to a certain point. Does that make sense? I think the Bible would teach that very clearly. We could, we could establish that pretty easily. So if you would think with me in the next few days about this idea of personal holiness, we're responsible to the Lord. It's not like, oh, i got to do something because if I don't, you know, the pastor will find out. Forget the pastor finding out. What about God finding out? It's, it's the Lord that we want to please. And it's the Lord who sees every thought and intent of the heart and everything about us. Boy, if we could just become so concerned with personal holiness that we wanted to be as clean as the bright, white shirt as palatable and appealing as a beautiful pie. Oh, how the Lord would be pleased with that. Right, He's still working on me. Can we all say that? He's still working on yes. me. Have requests that you want to give in today. We'll start over here on this side. You can raise your hand, speak out loud there how you see fit. I don't see you just speak up these lights you won't you won't believe it how to pass the concentrates up here I don't know the murder anybody on this side got a prayer request raising hand speaking out loud I want to tell y'all a secret. You may already know it. I want to refresh your mind. You don't have to be perfect to be able to pray a prayer and get God's attention. So don't think uh, just because the Lord's still working on you, you can't do anything. We're still servants while He's working on us. Okay? So let's go to the Lord's time of prayer. Believe Him. Because I'm just not even if that when I pray, I believe God's going to answer my prayers. Now, some people think it's foolish, but that's just the way I was raised up. And it's worked for me all these years. I, every time I pray, I have confidence that God's going to heal it. Because I know we can't. So let's all pray in line at this time to God, believing that God's going to move in these prayer requests. Dear Lord, we come at this time. We're men, women, flesh, and blood, and bones. We've got a soul that loves you and a, a mind that appreciates all the things you do. I know that you're in control of all things. You are the great I am. You're the beginning. You're the end. And the beautiful thing about it is you're the in-between also. 
And so when we come to you, dear Lord, we're not telling you anything new. All we're saying is, Lord, we want you to intercede for us. That we're helpless and that we need you to move in our lives. We need you to move in the people's lives that these requests have been made for. The spoken out loud, the raising of hands, those that had requests in their hearts, dear Lord, today. There are various and they're of all serious degrees, but to that particular person, they're very, very serious and they're very, very important, dear Lord. And this is why they made a proclamation to the church. Help me pray for these requests. And that's what we're doing now, dear Lord. We just want to get your attention one more time, dear Lord. We want you guys to just listen to our pleas and to our prayers, dear Lord. We know your ears are not deaf and we know your arms are not short. But God, you can reach from heaven all the way down to earth, dear Lord, and move in mighty ways, dear Lord. Heal today, dear Lord. We ask God that you'll fill voice, dear Lord, is about families that have suffered and experienced deaths in their families, God. Only you can fill that void there. Only you can put love in there, God, where it once was, dear Jesus. There's famous God that's having medical issues this day and time, dear Jesus. You are the great physician. You're the divine physician, dear Lord. All these things can be done, God. And we ask the Lord that you'll work once again in a way that people can see it was you. It was not man. It was not doctors. It was not friends. It was not loved ones. But it was you, God Almighty, to intercede in these requests. And for this, dear Lord, we'll give you honor, give you glory, and give you praise. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you once again for coming today. May God bless you.